0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you are well. This week, it's been a week of cramming, review, going over, going over, and going over some more. In the Kolel that I study in in the mornings, we're currently learning the laws of Svek Sveka, which really has to do with it's connected to the laws of forbidden mixtures. If things get mixed together, is it permitted? Is it forbidden? And this coming week, we're going to be taking a faher, which in Yiddish means an exam. It's an oral exam. A rabbi from Beth Medrash Gavoa in Lakewood comes to test us on our knowledge of what we've been studying. So I've been preparing for that day and night. It's a lot of information. Trying to do the best I can. And sometimes it's been a little hard to focus on other things besides this exam. But I'm pushing myself to do this podcast, and I want to make a request of you, that if you listen to this podcast, you enjoy it, and it's something that's part of your week, I would appreciate it if you pushed yourself to send me a feedback, introduce yourself, say hello. I don't bite, I'm very nice, it would mean a lot to me. My email address is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha is Parshas Vayigash. And we're closing in here on the end of the book of Genesis. This week's Vayigash. Next week is Vayachi, which is concludes the first book of the Torah, which is Genesis. And this week's Parsha, just to give a quick overview, is a continuation from last week. Last week we're left with a cliffhanger. Yosef has imprisoned Benjamin. And now he wants to see if his brothers are going to stand up for the son of Rachel, Binyamin, and have atoned for their past misdeed of selling Yosef. Yehuda, Judah, steps up to plead for his brother, Binyamin, telling Yosef, he doesn't know he, that he is Yosef, telling this viceroy who's Yosef that he's willing to take his place, just let Binyamin go free. And that's how the Parsha begins this week. Yehuda approaches Yosef, and says, let him go free, please. And Yosef, after a certain point in time, cannot handle it anymore. He's not able to hold himself back. And he reveals to the brothers that he's Yosef. That the whole time he's been hiding his identity. And the brothers are shocked. They're not they're not able to speak. And Yosef says. I am Yosef, is my father still alive? Yosef, Joseph, draws the brothers close, reiterating to them how he's not upset at them, and everything's for a reason, that now he's the king of Mitzrayim. He's able to sustain the family, to help them, and he asks them to bring down their father, Yaakov Avinu, to Mitzrayim. They go back to Yaakov, Jacob, they tell him that his son, Yosef, is still alive, The spirit of Jacob is rejuvenated, and the family makes the trip down to Egypt. The Parsha tells us also of the the encounter after 22 years of not seeing each other. Yaakov, Jacob, and Yosef are reunited together. And additionally, the Parsha tells us of Yaakov's meeting with Paro and finishes with how Yosef deals with the famine that is still going on in the land of Egypt. The first idea I want to share with you today takes us to the encounter between the brothers and Yosef. So as I mentioned before, Yehuda was the one who stepped up to plead for his brother Benjamin. But the brothers are all there. Yehuda' is the one speaking and the rest of the brothers are watching what's going on. And after a certain point in time, Yosef is not able to hold his emotions back. And he says, I am Yosef. Now, immediately after revealing himself as his brother Yosef, Yosef reassures the brothers. He tells them to come close. He says, I'm Yosef, your brother, because they're afraid. They think Yosef is going to take revenge on them. So he has to reassure them And tell them, I'm your brother. I'm not going to hurt you. I forgive you. And Yosef tells the brothers in detail how, don't worry, I'm the ruler of Egypt now. God has sent me here. He set me up in this position so that I'm able to provide for you, for your families, for our father. And you should not worry because everything is the way it's supposed to be. And the Pesach tells us, And now, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me father to Pharaoh, master of his entire household, and ruler throughout the entire land of Egypt. The question that's asked on this speech of Yosef, is that why is Yosef taking a segue here after he reveals himself to the brothers? Why is Yosef seemingly changing topics from revealing his identity to now talking how he's the second in command to Egypt? And it was not you who sent me here, but God. Surely the brothers felt remorse for selling Yosef. Yosef could have just forgiven the brothers and moved on. Why was it necessary for Yosef to give a ganze spiel, a whole long soliloquy about how he got to Egypt and why he was there? Just, you know, say forgive and all's well that ends well. What was the point in this whole presentation to his brothers? In life, we get called upon many times to do things that are a little bit beyond our limitations. Push ourselves, though, because we know it's the right thing to do. A neighbor has to go to the hospital, and we watch their children throughout the night. Somebody needs help with something, a flat tire, 20 miles away, in the middle of the night, and we get out of bed to go help the person. And when all is said and done, when the individual wants to thank us, what do we say to them? Do we say, eh, it was nothing, don't worry about it? Is that a reaction? Is that how we respond? And Reb Yeruchim Levovitz explains on this that there is fault. It's the incorrect response that we should have when we try to help somebody or after we do help somebody. A famous theological question is asked when it comes to mitzvah observances. The question is, is that if God is omnipotent and he is infinite, why does he need our mitzvos? Why does he need me to shake a lulav on Sukkot, or to eat matzah, or to blow a shofar, or to give carbanos to, sacri- to give these sacrifices in the Besamigdash? or to light a menorah? Why does Hashem, who is everything, is beyond our comprehension, need us, flesh and blood, to do these physical acts? What does he have? Does he need the light of the menorah, or does he need our shofar? And you know, there's many answers to this question. Because, you know, of course God does not need our lighting the menorah or our shofar blowing or our shaking the lulav. And the the answer, one of the answers that's given is that the reason why we have these commandments is that God gave us a way for us to express our gratitude to Him. Mean Meaning Hashem doesn't need the light of the menorah. But he's giving us a way to, in some small way, to pay him back for all the good that he does for us. Right? God gives us life, he gives us all the blessing in our life. Everything good that we have is from Hashem, is from God. And really, there is no way that we can, you know, appropriately pay Hashem back. But in his infinite wisdom, God has given us a way of sort of. Giving gratitude and to repay our debt, or to repay ourselves to Him, which is through Torah, through mitzvos. And really, this idea teaches us something very important, which relates to this week's parsha and the episode of Yosef and the brothers. Because when we do that favor, you know that we we're talking about before, that was hard for us, but to get up in the middle of the night to help a family member with a flat tire in the cold, right? And then we do it. And then we tell them afterwards it was no big deal. Is that truly a praiseworthy thing to say? Or maybe deep down, what we're really saying is that, yeah, it wasn't a big deal because now you owe me one. We sort of are happy that now these people are, we're one up on them. They're going to owe us big now. And they they have to come on to us. The answer is is that it's when we say now nah, is no big deal, we're sort of making people feel indebted. And that's not good. You know, I myself think of a story once I, I helped somebody and you know I, I it wasn't something it wasn't like the biggest deal, but I helped someone bring something somewhere and I had to schlep stuff, I had to, you know, put boxes into my car and bring it from one place to the next. And then when I delivered this, uh, you know, did this favor, I did the delivery, the individual took out a $20 bill and wanted to give it to me, and I decided at that moment that I would take the money because of this reason, because, you know, it's not a big deal, let, let the person give me the $20 bill so he shouldn't feel like he's indebted to me for doing the favor. It, it's it's better that he should give me that money and I shouldn't. he shouldn't feel that he owes me something now. Right? This is a very important concept when it comes to doing things for other people, that we don't want people to feel that they owe us, you know, indebted. And the the way this connects back to the Parsha is because when Yosef revealed himself to the brothers, he, he didn't just say, "Ah, eh, don't worry about it, no big deal, all's well that ends well, we're all in Mitzrayim, we have food now, I'm the king of Egypt, don't worry about it. He didn't do that he sort of turned the script, he he flipped, the, he flipped everything around to make the brothers feel as if they did something for him. He didn't make them feel that they were, you know, indebted to Yosef now, rather it was the other way around. Yosef, in a way, felt indebted to them because it was all part of Hashem's plan. He didn't just wipe it away and say, ah, don't worry about it. But rather he expressed himself to them that he didn't, you know, that everything was part of the plan and there was a reason and it wasn't you that got me here. It was Hashem and he didn't want to make them feel like he was just moving on and didn't really forgive them deep down. Because we all know the feeling when someone does something to us and they come back to us to ask forgiveness. And sometimes we just just wave it away. But do we say the words, I forgive you? We're truly ready to move on. And that was also what Yosef was doing here. He wasn't just saying, ah, don't worry about it. He was reassuring his brothers that he truly forgave them. That in, in his heart, once he saw that they were remorseful for what they had done, he wanted to let them know that he forgave them completely. And that's why he, he gave this whole presentation and whole speech to them to let them know that it's over, we're moving past this, I forgive you, and it's all for a reason. And really the lesson that we can take out from this is that number one is when we do favors for people, we shouldn't make them feel as if they owe us one. And in general, when we have a relationship with another individual, another person, relationships need to be two-way relationships, meaning you can't just be giving, giving, giving and never get anything back in return. And in fact... It's not even healthy to be in a relationship like that. And it's important for us, sometimes if you're the giver and you're giving, 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 to find a way, to find an opportunity for the person that you're giving to, to be able to give back to you so that they don't feel like they owe you so much. Let them give something back to you. And if they want to do something for you, let them do it for you. If they want to take you out to eat, let them take you out to eat. Don't you know, hold back and say, think you're being a nice guy by saying no, 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 no. Rather, you should take the money if they want to give it to you. You should take the present if they want to do that for you or they want to take you out. It's funny, me as a a rabbi, one of the things I like to do, I like to do different things and I meet a lot of different people. One of the things I'm proud of is that obviously I, I, I study with people, I learn with people, but I like to say that I learned a lot of things from the people that I learn with. You know, I I learned how to play guitar from one of the individuals I I study with. I learned how to ski from someone I study with. I learned how to shoot from somebody I study with. All these different things I learned with people that I'm giving to. So instead of me just giving, 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 I found ways for the people that I learn with to give back to me. To let them feel that they're teaching me something. So now they don't feel like they owe me. I don't want people feeling like they owe me. I want a relationship. I want it to be a relationship. And relationships are two-way. And that's how we should strive when we're dealing with others, deal with people. We should never you know, want people to feel like they owe us. Always try to look for opportunities to make the relationship two-way in a healthy way. The second idea I wanted to share with you today takes us to the reunification of Yaakov and Yosef. Now... Yosef sent his brothers to go pick up Yaakov and, and the family to bring them back down to Egypt, and the parsha tells us that when the brothers came to tell Yaakov that Yosef was still alive, he didn't believe them. He he couldn't believe it. And the parsha reads, "Va'yalu mi va'yovo Eretz el Yaakov and they came out of Egypt, and they came to their father. To, they came to the land of Canaan, to their father to their father Yaakov. And they told him, And they told him, saying, Yosef is still alive, and he's the ruler over all the land of Egypt. But his heart rejected it, for he could not believe them. But the next verse is when he finally believes that his son is still alive, and it says as follows. However, when they related to him all the words that Yosef had spoken to them, and he saw the wagons that Yosef had sent to transport him, then the spirit of their father Jacob was revived. And the commentaries explain that Ya, that Yosef sent wagons with the brothers, and the reason why he sent wagons to back to Yaakov. Was to give Yaakov a sign that he was still the same Yosef. Because Rashi tells us that the last thing Yaakov and Yosef studied together before he was sent off to Egypt and sold as a slave was the parsha, was the portion of the Torah that dealt with Egla Arufa. The Torah tells us that if a murder victim is found in the field, so then the sages of the closest city have to do the mitzvah of egla arufa, which is where they take this cow and they bring it out to the field, and first they have to wash their hands and sort of they say special verses and they chop the neck of the cow off. And it's referred to as Egla Arufa. And when Yosef was sending the wagons to his father, he was sort of signifying this last portion of of the Torah that they had studied together. Because egla, which is a calf, is also the same word for agala, which is a wagon. And he was telling his father that it's me, it's Yosef, and I'm still the same person who I was before. Now, the commentaries explain that there's more depth to the significance that Yosef sent wagons to his father Yaakov. And one explanation, which I thought was very beautiful, is that Rabbi Fran brings down a, a very beautiful explanation, which I think can give us an insight um, for ourselves on how we withstand challenge and how we overcome and push through even when times are hard. The If you look into the reasoning of the mitzvah Eglarufa, so some of the commentaries explain that the mitzvah was meant to sort of find out, to make a commotion to find out who committed this murder, but one of the processes of this mitzvah is, like I said, the sages come out and sort of wash their hands in the spot where the murder victim was found, and they say loysha that we we didn't we didn't we weren't the ones that that the blood. And the commentary says say over there that what they were saying is that we gave any passerby's um, food, we gave them drink, we gave them you know we escorted them, we did what they needed to do, we treated them properly to make sure that this wouldn't have happened so it couldn't have been from us. We didn't have anybody that passed through without um, something that they didn't need which maybe would have caused them to steal and, and to, to murder. So therefore, this victim who we found over here couldn't have been connected to our city and they do this special mitzvah which in, in the hopes that maybe you would find the, the victim or the, the perpetrator and bring them to justice. Now, We know that the mitzvah of hachnasas Archim of of giving hospitality to guests, is not something which is taken lightly. The Rambam, Maimonides, he lists in the in the mitzvah of vahafdalarecha kamocha of loving one's neighbors, that the first halacha is obviously visiting the sick, consoling mourners, burying the dead, helping brides to get married, you know, gladdening grooms, and in the next halacha, the Rambam writes that the mitzvah of Levaya, of escorting a traveler, is the greatest of all mitzvahs. And it's actually interesting. We refer to the tent of Abraham, the tent of Avram, as the eshal Avram. That's also a word for tent. And if you take the three words of eshal, Aleph, Shin, and Lamed, it refers to Achila, eating, Sh'tia, drinking, and Levaya is walking out, escorting. And it's a mitzvah in the Torah, actually, that when you have a guest to escort them to the door, to escort them Dalad Amos, four Amos, four cubits. And that's part of Hachnas' Orchem. Now, it's interesting, if you think about it for a second, what's the significance of, of escorting? You know, it's understood giving someone food is important, I guess, especially the traveling, to give them something they need to eat. Everyone needs to eat. Um... Drink, it's understood why someone needs to drink, right? If some especially someone traveling, right? But what's the significance of escorting someone, you know, out of your house, down the block? What's why is that so important? Why is that an intrinsic part of the mitzvah of achnasas Archim? And why is Maimonides making it the most important when it comes to the mitzvah of a haftalarecha kamocha, loving one as you love oneself? And if we go back to this week's parsha, the midrash brings down that Yaakov and Yosef they learned this parsha of Eglah Rufa together about this calf who gets killed, and the the midrash tells us that when Yosef went to go to to get the brothers as as Yaakov had sent him to do, he walked with him all the way till Emek Hevron, till the place of Emek Hevron. And Yaakov escorting him all the way there. And Yosef, it seems that he told his father, please go back home. You don't have to take me all the way back. He says, I can't. Yaakov says, Escorting a traveler is such a big mitzvah. And we see that Egla Rufa was added to the Torah because of it. This whole concept of Egla Rufa was added to the Torah to, to show us the importance of escorting a traveler, of Levoya. You know, because this person who was killed, maybe he wasn't, you know, escorted properly. Maybe he wasn't given his needs. Maybe, you know, he didn't have what he needed. And that's how he ended off his last meeting with Yosef. And going back to our question of why is it so important, this whole mitzvah of lavoya, is that, you know, even though we give people drinks and food, good stuff, if you don't give someone self-worth, so then even if you give them the best steak in the world, the most delicious wines, is it worth it if you just give it to them with a grumpy face with a, you know, not happily. So then you're making them feel like two cents. And on the flip side, if you don't have so much and you give somebody, you make them feel good about themselves, you give them self-worth, you give them that that self-confidence, that self-appreciation. So then even a simple bed and simple food is worth a million dollars because it's all in how and how you give it. And that's really what LaVoya is. When we talk about escorting somebody, the significance of escorting somebody is that we're showing them that they're worth something, that they have self worth, and they're important. And and that's the the message of Egla Arufa that When Yaakov sent Yosef off, he was giving him a certain sense of self-worth. And throughout all his challenges in Egypt, Yosef was able to withstand the temptation, withstand the challenge, because he knew that his father believed in him. He knew that Yaakov believed in him, he had confidence in him, and had faith in him. And when he sent back the wagons to his father, he was showing that to Yaakov Avinu that because of the faith you had in me, I'm still here, I'm still good. And that's why Vatechi Ruach Yaakov, the spirit of Yaakov went back into him and he, the divine spirit rested in him again. And I think the lesson for us is to give people the time of day, to make people feel important. And there's easy ways of doing that. Giving someone a smile when you're talking to them, giving your attention to your children, to people who talk to you, returning people's phone calls, people's emails, you know, people should feel that you value them and that they're just they're worth something. They're important to you. And that's what we see from Yosef, from the Parsha, and from the mitzvah of Levoya, of escorting. And with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or you'd like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlamalkon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. Have a great day.